damn, Brandon, I'm so stupid, dude. I wish I could learn how to do one thing right. Dude, you should check out listenable.io. What in the hell is listenable.io? It is this brand new, awesome learning platform. It's all by audio, dude. They just plug it right into your earphones. Whatever you want to hear, they teach you about. I don't like audio. I don't like podcasts. Dude, you're going to want to hear everything they have to offer. They have courses on like self-improvement, history, a whole bunch of stuff, man. I'm deaf. Okay, well, eventually you're going to have to work for yourself here. But, dude, I, I, like, I just actually got onto their platform. I just published my first history learning course on there about the golden age of the Arab Empire and the science uh, therein. Not a fan of Arabs, but you know what, man? I think that what you're telling me may lead to my education and my, my enlightenment of some sort. So, uh, I mean, wh- where do I go? How do I follow through with this? Easy as this. It's listenable. Dot io, but they gave us a 30% off coupon that any of our what listeners... What the fuck? Yeah, I know. It's great, man. Any of our listeners are going to be able to find this in the description of this episode. So, guys, check this out. It's a super, super cheap service. It's like $5 per month, and it's way better than anything you're going to find on YouTube or any of these other audio learning uh, platforms. Just check it out, guys. Use our coupon code. Support the show. Support your brains. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Dangerous World Podcast, where this episode we're talking about health, and uh, you probably don't want to take advice from Brandon or I, but the individual that we brought on very much seems to be in tune with her health. We're talking to Miss Emily. Uh, Emily spelled with a B, M-I-S-S-E-M-B-I-L-Y. Look at me spell. Okay. This is Instagram. Um, She's a certified health coach. What she does, you, you give her a fee, um, really reasonable fee from what we uh, understand here. And she'll kind of coach you through your health. It's just strictly a passion of hers. Kind of seems like a sugar mama, Brandon. Uh, I don't know uh, what you're doing over there, but you know, great, great girl, um, beautiful person inside and out. Um, really, really interesting conversation that we had with her because what she was getting into was just like the, um, like homeopathic methods of healing, kind of getting yourself away from pharmaceuticals. Um, she actually reached out to me because I always mention how much of a functioning asterisk functioning alcoholic I am. Um, you know, she told me to take some milk thistle for my liver and that would help me. And, um, you know, I've been taking it. And I've, I've just been taking it for about a week now. Um, but, I, you know, I did some research on what she said and what she says holds up. I would challenge anyone listening to the episode to 
uh, DuckDuckGo or even Google if you want to use those demons. Uh, you know, check out what she's saying and try and prove her wrong because uh, the lady knows her shit, man. Um, I mean, she spent years researching like root cause healing, um, all kinds of stuff that that will really kind of help get your gut health um, in check. And and just a fun, fun lady to talk to. Really great person. Um, what do you what do you think about this whole thing, man? Because you're very skeptical. You're very skeptical about uh, healthy healing things. You prefer the vax. <laughs> yeah, this is this is one of those uh, fields of what I would call pseudoscience that it just makes very particular claims and uh, trying to back them up is a thing. Yes, I uh, hop on the train with you, Ryan, as far as people uh, looking at it themselves. Um, and then after that, they're uh, they're behold beholden to their their own ideas their own a priori ideas about how nature works and how something other than nature works we get into those kind of topics here though um expand upon those what we i asked specifically like what is pharmaceutical what is otherwise um talk about the idea of homeostasis ryan you brought up the, the fact that gut health seems to be very very important to the entire homeopathic uh, uh um uh, uh, movement uh, we talk a little bit about um the motives right the follow the money behind uh, modern pharmaceuticals um, and a whole bunch of roots of disagreements that people really do have to face with because we're faced with the uh, the, uh, uh, the choice about the vaccine which we also specifically do i think right before we cut on the patreon but in the patreon there's a whole bunch of uh, extra stuff about uh, her deepest and darkest concerns about um, the the larger uh, medical industrial complex. So I, I, I liked it. Obviously a good, uh, a great person to talk to and because of her uh, connections to president Trump, which you guys will only hear about uh, in the, uh, the patron, the Patreon segments. Um, uh, just interesting, interesting perspective for sure. Definitely. Well, and you know, like the, like for me, the main thing that draws my attention to this topic is the amount of doctors that die, dude, like when they're talking about what they're doing. I mean, like we have this Norman Valdez Cotton Jr. chiropractor in Michigan that was found dead in a burning car in a parking lot in the elementary school. OK, um, we have people I mean, there, there's this website which I mentioned, Vaxipedia.org, and you can find this list, this list of over 60 doctors that fucking like turn up dead in the weirdest way. Um, people jumping out of Manhattan apartment buildings with typewritten suicide letters in a fucking uh, Ziploc bag in their pocket. And we're talking like a doctor and his wife that had teenage daughters. Um, so many coincidental deaths. Uh, another dude stabbed 165 times in an alleyway behind his office ruled a suicide. I mean, what are we talking about here, dude? There's a serious problem when you have people like this that are, kind of paving the way to new research and new true cures not just perpetuating the the current pharmaceutical system that we're in which Fauci is a big big proponent of but we we see this over and over again dude um serious problem and uh Emily was a great person to talk to very very knowledgeable very well spoken and uh I recommend anyone that just has any um any issues with their health um which heart disease is the big one that we face in the United States specifically really realistically all around the world. Um, but, you know, look into her, um, into her shit and see if she can help you out. She already helped me uh, a little bit here. So um, check her out 
And I hope that you all enjoy the show. With that being said, though, guys, dangerousworldstore.com. Go in there, buy your shirts, support the show. If you don't have $26, I'm sure you got $3. If not, stop listening to the show because you're too broke for us. You're too broke to be our friend. Okay, if you don't have $3, I don't want you around. Okay, $3 at patreon.com slash dangerous world. And if you literally don't have $3, but you can't fucking separate yourself from us, go and leave us a five-star review on Apple iTunes. Uh, You know, give us five stars, recommend it to your friends, and, uh, you know, make that $3. Support us on Patreon. But thank you all. Enjoy this episode. I'm curious what got you into all of this homeopathy if I'm pronouncing that correctly, because I am stupid, but the the topic is fascinating. You know what I mean? We talked about it a lot yesterday, uh, but what got you into it? Yeah, I mean, it is a super fascinating topic and it really makes a lot of sense when you dig into it. So how um, I got started, I was not at all involved anywhere in this world um, whatsoever. I mean, I think I took like a multivitamin maybe from Walgreens every now and then. But um, so what happened was uh, in 2013, I was diagnosed with lupus, which is um, an autoimmune disease. And um, following that diagnosis, when I was in the doctor's office, I was there for about five minutes after she told me that it was lupus confirmed after I was having all these symptoms and all these tests. And, you know, they thought it was MS and they thought it was rheumatoid arthritis and they thought it was lupus and they settled on that diagnosis. And um, I was given two prescriptions, a very strong steroid um, to, I guess, combat the symptom of inflammation. And then um, I was actually given um, Plaquenil, which is actually hydroxychloroquine, which is the... um, which is like the hot button um, medicine um, in the last year. But um, what happened was um, I just, she said, okay, try these for three months and come back and we'll see if it's helping. And I thought to myself, I mean, I think the steroid was maybe for a month and then the other medicine was come back in three months. And, and I thought to myself, well, I don't know what any of this means. I don't know what you're talking about when you say lupus. She just basically gave me a prescription and gave me a patent of promise and I was on my way. And so I, being a very resource oriented person and very detail oriented, I just started researching and I stumbled across some people who were talking about healing their bodies, getting to the root cause of what's causing the autoimmune disease and not taking medicines to treat the symptoms. And so from there, I called my rheumatologist who had given me the prescriptions and I said, guess what I found? There's people who are having real success in becoming asymptomatic and going into remission by doing, um, you know, eating a whole foods diet or a plant-based diet and, um, you know, focusing on, you know, probiotics and certain things and helping with their gut health. And she was like, no, that's not going to work. I don't advise you to do that. Please take the prescriptions I gave you. And, um, (laughs) And I said, I'm going to actually try this for six months and see if it works. And she said, that's, you know, ill-advised. I don't agree. And I ended up not going back to her. <laughs> I wow. went to a different doctor of the year. Um, and so I did this. I changed my diet around completely. I mean, I was the kind of person who lived off coffee and Skittles and McDonald's. And I really equated health with being skinny. So I was a runner. <laughs> I watched what I ate and I thought, okay, I'm healthy. 
because I'm skinny. So great, but I wasn't. And that years of that sort of thinking really took a toll on my body. And what I learned now is my gut health. Um, you know, I was always sick and a lot of antibiotics and things like that. And that really causes, um, I mean, I can get into this more, but that really causes an imbalance in your gut. And so when I turned my diet around, I had sort of a reaction of um, feeling very sick and um, like hungover or like a flu for about a week or so, which I learned was as I was researching, I thought, oh my gosh, I'm doing this wrong or something. But then I learned that it was actually um, my body dying off, you know, uh, the bad bacteria dying off in my gut and things like that. From transforming so you're my saying diet. when you changed to a healthier diet, you started feeling like shit, basically. Right. And I wow. think that there's a lot of people from it because what happens is it's, it's called a, a, a die off reaction where mass amounts of um, pathogenic bacteria and, and things that, that are supposed to be in your gut or aren't supposed to be there in a large capacity. When they start dying off, they release, you know, thousands of toxins into your bloodstream at once and overwhelms your body and you feel very sick. But then once I hit about a week, I started feeling really good. And my symptoms slowly started going away. And, um, you know, I was so thrilled. So I went back to my, you know, after, I think I only waited about three months, even though I said I was going to give it six months. And I went back to my regular, regular doctor who had referred me to a rheumatologist. And I didn't have any detectable symptoms or signs of um, the lupus in my blood work anymore. My symptoms were almost gone. And, um, you know, I really felt I was onto something and he was really excited to see that too. And he's like, good thing you listen to your gut. And I guess pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so I thought, okay, great. If I just continue eating, you know, plants and, you know, really healthy food and whole foods, I'm going to be great. But what happened was I then um, got pregnant with my daughter. And when I, after I gave birth, I was on a lot of antibiotics. Yeah. Um you know, I had a natural birth, but they give you like six bags of antibiotics during the delivery to protect the baby. And it killed off, you know, my microbiome and what all that I worked on and it started coming back. And that's when I, and I thought, you know, why is it coming back when I'm still eating this way? And I realized that there's a lot more to it. Um, supplementation, you know, natural antimicrobials and antifungals for your gut are a really key component of what you need to do. And once I started researching this reg regimen and diving down and really getting into it, it all went away um, again, and it hasn't come back. And that was in 2015. So wow. it was 2015, when I was first diagnosed 2015 when it was finally gone completely. So, um, so you found your own way. You went against what your doctor was saying, which like right away, they're trying to give you steroids, which I mean, like steroids, I know that they have their purpose, but like whenever I hear steroids, I always think of negative things. Right. Um, yeah. but this, this homeopathy, it, it's such a, uh, am I saying that right? By the way, yes. it's actually a homeopathy, homeopathy. Okay. Whatever. You know, like I said, I mispronounce a lot of things. It's, that's like potato, 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 whatever. Um, so as far as that goes, it's a very dangerous field for high profile people to get involved in. Right. And for the record, I'm not suicidal. Brandon's not suicidal. <laughs> Emily. I'm not suicidal. Okay. I'm perfect. Yeah. Good to know, because we need to make sure we just need to clarify that. So no, I just find it interesting. You know, um, there's countless doctors that you see. Um, there was like 60 in a, in a short, short period. And there's this great website. I'm sure you've heard of it. Vaxipedia where they show mm -hmm. a list of all these suspicious deaths. Um, right. We're talking like people found dead in burning cars, um, people dead in rivers with knives in their chest, 
um this first one listed here is is like the main guy who's like the most outspoken anti-vaxxer dr bradstreet have you heard of jeff bradstreet so um this guy's from florida i mean he, he was saying that like autism was caused by vaccines and uh he said that he could cure kids especially from their cancer um you know autism all these other uh, ailments that they may have and his uh office was raided a day before he was found dead um he supposedly had this this treatment called the gcmaf cure um yeah. and it's just th- that like i said you can go through and you can see these this list of people just going through the second one here's he's 33 when he died that's very interesting uh baron holt um but i mean a lot a lot of chiropractors found dead um a lot of people that aren't just trying to fill their pfizer and moderna um you know quotas and, and you know give the kickbacks to the pharmaceutical companies but um i don't know brandon i mean what do you think about so brandon wanted to get into some of like the the history of uh wh- however you guys pronounce this homeopathy whatever uh you know i'm you know, so bad I, at em- this you know what you mean pre- yeah emily <laughs> I actually yeah, everyone knows what i'm talking because- about at this point but- holistic holistic medicine there we go perfect perfect so brandon like so where did this whole thing start and then um emily like you know jump in and and you know just kind of plug in whatever you think is is necessary here yeah, I do have sort of an artificial starting point for when homeopathy in the Western world started. First, though, uh, I do want to see, Emily, do you have some idea other than I might about what the definitions, what the contours of something that's natural and something that's other than natural or man-made is? I mean, I, I, I you, you mentioned the fact that there needs to be a certain amount of natural uh, gut bacteria present in there in order for things to be running right. I just wonder, is there, wh- where do you draw that line? If you have a line, where do you draw that line between natural and man-made? Cause like, I sort of think that it's a, it's an artificial line, very, very much like the, the uh, genetically modified organisms uh, debate, but what, wh- what have you to say about that? Well, I mean, when you talk about holistic medicine, it's really anything that's not pharmaceutical, that's natural. Um, and, you know, when when I say, you know, taking supplements and doing those things, um, like with your gut bacteria, you're taking natural live or sometimes like flash frozen um, actual, you know, spores of certain bacteria or fungi that you have to take, the good ones that you have to have in your body. And, um and those are all natural. So it's not man-made. Um, but, you know, I think the defining moment, if you want to get into this, is like in the, you know, 1800s, most doctors believed in a lot of holistic medicine, practiced holistic medicine. They were trained in holistic medicine. And then you hit, the you know, the turn of the century there into the 1900s when John D. Rockefeller came in you know, the super oil magnet and, um, you know, evil (laughs) sort of um, person who just was really driven by greed. And, um, you know, he then saw if he is producing oil, there's a market for creating chemicals and pharmaceuticals. Petrochemicals, um, yeah. Petrochemicals, exactly. Um, And, you know, he saw that market and really redefined, started, you know, the American Medical Association and, um, you know, the, the board of director of factors who um, revamped everything, they removed everything holistic, because holistic, natural medicines and herbs and supplements, things like that, 
cannot be patented, but he could patent all of his medicines. So those were all outlawed. They were banned. Then the medical system was redesigned where all universities were no longer allowed to teach about holistic medicine and everything had to follow this pharmaceutical model. And then you end up today with, for example, my rheumatologist, I don't think she was maliciously trying to harm me, but they're in the business of sick care. It's not healthcare. They're, you're sick and you stay <laughs> sick when you take these pharmaceuticals. You never heal because you're taking chemicals to treat symptoms of a disease. And you know, disease is dis-ease in the body, right? You have to get to the root cause of it. When you just treat the symptoms, the root cause continues to grow. You get other symptoms. It's like a waterfall effect from the medicines you take. So you're taking another medicine to treat the side effects from that one. I mean, for example, my father, before he died, um, when he was 77, was on... 18 different prescriptions, 18, the diabetes, some heart issues, but he was at 18. And there was one doctor who said, it is such a, you know, it was at the very end of his life. And he said, it's such a tragedy to see someone who just is on medicine after medicine, after medicine. Sometimes these medicines are treating the side effects of the other medicines. And um, it's really, it's really a flawed system. And it's for it's even you know further worsened by the fact that doctors are incentivized by the number of prescriptions that they write financially. Um, and then when you have more holistic minded MDs that want to dive into root cause healing, they have to start their own practice. And if they don't hit a quota of prescriptions written, which they won't do, insurance companies won't cover um, any of their patients and everyone has to pay out of pocket. It's really a money driven machine. And I think doctors have good intentions, but they're in a flawed system. So, so Ryan, I know you have a little bit more to add to the, to the Rockefeller story there. Obviously this is a very prevalent and important point to bring up one more, one more question here about the dividing line between natural and otherwise. So I, I, from what I am hearing from you, it's the dividing lines between natural slash holistic and pharmaceutical. Is that to mean that as soon as it's been, you know, prescribed literally by a pharmacy because i know i know you're talking about the difference between apothecarianism and pharmaceuticism mm-hmm. right so so but i that's and that's a weird line that that did evolve uh, in the western world around the uh, 18th to 19th century but are you mm-hmm. saying that the dividing line for you would be because you called it pharmaceutical as soon as it's at, you know, uh, uh, promoted by the big pharmaceutical companies that at that time that is the other than natural route uh, medicine. Just want to very, make that very clear. Yes, okay. you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, it's yeah, anything that's prescribed or pharmaceutical or chemically manufactured or petrochemical in nature, um, not in nature, but of that subset um, is, is, is definitely like, I mean, some medicines, people do need to save their lives, but there's going to be a price to pay for having these chemicals in your body. I mean, your body is really resilient and really strong and really powerful and is a powerful healer. And so if you um, are take, you know, you're keeping your body in balance, you're doing the things, if you have a symptom for something, you figure out what your body's trying to tell you, where it's coming out of balance. Once you are in that balance, you don't want to have these additional chemicals coming into your body. For example, you know, if you're somebody who is super holistic, and then so you go on the birth control pill, you're going to be really disrupting your process and the progress that you've made and the things that you've done. So, um, you know, it's, it's one of those situations where, 
once you jump out of that loop, you really don't have to go back in unless it's super life threatening. Um, Cause you really understand how your body and when it stays in balance, it's called, um, you know, homeostasis when it's in a complete um, balanced state where everything is running the way it's supposed to, you know, then your body is a really powerful healer and a really has a really strong defense and immune system. That's interesting. Cause you always like, they always, you know, even the mainstream medical doctors, they tell you to like, just stay positive when you're sick, you know? And I, I feel like your brain would have a huge part in your healing. Um, but if that gut to brain, uh, you know, whole relationship is thrown off, that's not going to work as well as it could. And you said so much with the Rockefeller stuff. I mean, it's crazy that as rich as this dude was, and I understand like, you know, I'm a capitalism fan, you know, I think if you're, if you're making money and you're doing good at it, uh, keep going with it. But this guy was already in charge of oil and then he finds a way to make money with oil, medicine, uh, you know, everything in between. And, and when they're putting out this medication, that is causing disease. And then you're going to treat that disease caused by that medication with more medication that's going to, let's say, mess with someone's heart, right? That's the main problem that we have in the US is heart disease. Um, and we talked about this resveratrol yesterday. And that to me is is one of the most uh, fascinating things in this whole kind of discussion, because I mentioned it to my dad, you know, in my family, we have heart disease, uh, you know, it's it's like a, a, a you know, totally just like embedded in what everything that we are here. So he'd never heard of it. I went and asked the pharmacist at a local grocery store, they hadn't heard of it. Um, and you said that you take this, right? I and, do, yeah. and I mean, that's just interesting. I heard had heard about it from another kind of holistic podcast. And it just seems that these kinds of things are buried down. Um, when you have someone as powerful as the Rockefeller, who he infiltrated the, the education systems, you know, when you're going to a, a prestigious university and you're trying to get, you know, a medical degree or going through medical school or whatever, you're not taught about these old school quackery type medications. You're taught about the legitimate petroleum based chemicals, right? And um, I just find that interesting. I just wanted to hear you like what you have to say about this resveratrol stuff, because um, you are the first person that I'd ever talked to that I actually had heard about it. So um, like, like, is there any kind of negative effects of resveratrol other than what I read about was like, you know, maybe diarrhea, some of that kind of stuff, nothing too serious, though. Yeah. And I mean, I think that's a lot of those side effects you see come in higher doses. I think when they, um, I do want to back up for a second though, because it was okay. interesting when you said quackery uh, versus legitimate. It's interesting the push that they have to really um, call that medicine or you know holistic medicine as not legitimate, as yeah. quackery, as crazy. Um, and then you go back to those doctors that you know there was even a rash of them in I think it was like five died in a few weeks and five more went missing. And they all had one thing in common that they were all um, working with what you said, you know, the, the, the GCMAF um, uh, treatments, they were all rated by the FDA, not just the one doctor, but all of them, wow. five were dead, five went missing in a very short amount of time because they were having success treating cancer and, and all those. And so when they say, oh, they were a quack doctor and they must've died because of their quackery medicine, that's the spin that the media puts on it. Cause the same parent companies that control everything control the media. So, um, 
as you well know, <laughs> but going back to the, uh, you know, res resveratrol and things, one thing that is paramount about a lot of heart disease, I mean, when you're talking about the actual physical mechanisms of the heart, there can be some problems that arise from malfunction in the actual makeup of the heart, the valves, or, you know, a tear somewhere or an enlarged heart that's different. But when you look at um, heart disease, in terms of like high blood pressure and overuse on your on your heart, you know, from pumping too hard, or, um, you know, the buildup of cholesterol in your arteries, a lot of that can be resolved or better or prevented by reducing inflammation in your body. Mm. So um, when you have a very inflamed artery, cholesterol is going to stick to it more. But when you sure. go through the things to reduce your inflammation by taking things like turmeric or um, alpha lipoic acid or resveratrol, things like that, it, it has a dramatic impact. And I can give even um, a case study with my mother. Um, she is very traditional. She's 74. She, um, she always thought the doctor's word was gospel and she doesn't believe that anymore. Two years ago, her cholesterol was high. They wanted to give her Crestor and her blood sugar was 200 fasting. It should be, you know, around hundred. And she, um, they wanted to, you know, put her on things to control her blood sugar too. And she said, I want to talk to my daughter and see. So anyway, fast forward a year of me putting her on things to help her, her cholesterol is in a completely healthy range now. And her blood sugar was 108, but her doctor didn't want to hear it and said, oh, well, actually, we're going to average your numbers over the last three years. And that's still high. So let's put you on Crestor or something else, your blood sugar. And my mom was like, I'm not taking that, not doing that. Sure. And so, you know, it's just, it, they just want, I mean, there is, they, I think they have to hit a certain quote. I mean, I don't think, I know I've heard from doctors who have said that there are, you know, incentives for certain prescriptions or, you know, sometimes the doctor will recommend to change a prescription. That's because there's a special with extra financial incentives to push this drug over another, uh, things like that, that really happened. And it's just a flawed, flawed system. Like I said, you the doctor like, uh, the, the worst nightmare of a doctor that's trying to fill his quotas to make, to buy a yacht. If you were just going in with like somebody, they would be so just destroyed by you'd be like, why, why the fuck do you need this? What is this for? The, 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 mo the motive is so obviously there. Like I'll give you guys the motive, the incentive, it's plain to see. I, uh, as listeners might know, don't see motive and incentive as quite enough to prove. Because, Emily, say if this is the case, but I have meta-analysis after meta-analysis, and you'll hear me talk a lot about, you know, real peer, uh, quote, I'll put uh, real in quotes here, but peer-reviewed mm -hmm. medical studies that talk about- Have you the seen the, the peer-reviewed uh, things on hydroxychloroquine, Brandon? No, I would love to see some. Because it is fascinating. It, it's a very strong thing to treat coronavirus. For sure, for sure. But yeah. specific, specific, specifically with uh, uh, <laughs> um, uh, petroleum, this is a very, I from what I see, from the and you guys can call me rubes if you want for believing in this, but from studies that cite specific science, specific numbers of people that they did, that they performed studies on a long time ago and has been repeated many times they talk about the anti-inflammatory uh, properties of of uh, of petroleum products now be just because i like to look at the organic reasons why 
something in the market comes about and becomes a prevalent force, even if it's as in as many fields of of our economy as it is. I mean, petroleum doesn't just go into the medicines, right? It also goes into the generators that power up the backup generators for hospitals, the the materials that they make to do like that they use to make uh, helicopters to transport people, plastics all over all over the shirts. Yeah, are we to are we we are really to believe here, Emily, that that those meta analyses, all of those studies are at least over promising the anti-inflammatory uh, effects of petroleum and that they are paid off to a certain extent. And at least someone in that chain is acting in bad faith. If that if that's what you believe, because I understand that that conspiracies can go that deep. Is that really, though, what 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 is to be believed here? No, I, I actually don't think that's the case. I don't think there, I mean, some, a, a lot of things are not faked or forged or anything like that. There probably is anti-inflammatory properties in the, the petroleum or in those medicines. And that's probably very real. The problem lies in the chemicals that surround all of that. So maybe there is some anti-inflammatory benefit to taking it, but then all of the chemicals surrounding it continue to put your body in a state of imbalance or create new issues for you, or you know, lead to cancer from the, the petrol that you're taking. Yeah. Um, science is changing all the time, though. That's the big problem, right? So, like when, like Brandon, the science that you're referring to, those same scientists are telling you that men can have babies and have their periods. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, like this is a, a serious I, problem I would love- when we're talking about when we're talking about like. Uh, you know, just trusting the science right now. Smoking cigarettes used to be healthy. Taking mm-hmm. meth for a cold used to be healthy. No, I things think, like that. I think you're. I think you're intentionally uh, and and all points to you, but intentionally being hyperbolic about the claims that the scientific Not really. community is made. If you, if you can, probably tell you. I that. know. I know it's boring to actually talk about studies, but if you want to show that study, I'm I'm down to read it seriously. But it's just that that. That is a, it's very close to the problem that I have with calling people on hypocrisy because that is the way, this is, that is the way that science works. And I would just say that people looking at it in bad faith are not taking that into consideration. But, but Emily, for, for real, the feeling that you mentioned early on about being ignored to a certain extent patronized by the medical industry, my God, is that a real fucking thing? If it's if it's not just the usage of technical language, which we need our healthcare system needs to get focused more, and the specific point that you make about the healthcare system versus the sick care system, I hear Obama making you know in, in interviews a, a long time ago, and that's oh his his you guys might call it a bad intrusion, a bad attempt to fix the healthcare system with the Affordable Care Act. But I completely understand that it's it's about how we go about fixing those things. Um, let's let, let me though kind of drag down the extent to which we're painting uh, homeopaths, um, you know, uh, apothecaries as quacks, though, because this Christian Friedrich Samuel Henman, he's a a German-American, he's actually the only uh, physician that has a monument in Washington, D.C. The statue uh, was dedicated in 1900 by President McKinley. So you learn to take with that what you will but this guy is the godfather of homeopathy in sort of the western world this these kinds of sciences were going along uh, around a long time even as far as like a thousand years ago from these guys named uh, al-rasi in the uh, in the uh, arabic uh, uh, in the golden age of the arabic empire he's also just 
kind of uh, founding the alternative medicine standard, right? He's born in the 18th century, uh, 1755, specifically in the, in the city of Heisen. And he is actually a, uh, a secret society member. I don't know if you guys know, but uh, in uh, as early as 1777, he had been confirmed by the Freemasons as an Ubermeister, as a, as a grand master. Um, he is the one who actually came up with the idea of um, it's, it's this tenet in homeopathy that says like cures like. Um, and this is the idea that um, the way that he used it is that if you have inflammation of the skin, what you should do is take a little bit of something that causes inflammation for humans, like uh, bee poison, bee venom he used, and rub it on it. And because you have diluted it to a certain extent, it will work to counteract the effects of inflammation and, and, and whatever, whatever other illnesses. He also came up with this, this idea of the less is more which is a big problem that mainstream medicine uh, has with homeopathy is the fact that uh, this guy, uh, 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 Hahnemann, was literally giving like materials that we would just flat out consider poisonous these days. Like mercury is one example. But he believed that if you just put a small enough amount into the liquid and specifically shake it up, um, that because of the memory that water has, he implied, uh, because of the memory that water has, because of the fact that it's been rubbing up against mercury or whatever other curing uh, material he was using, because those water molecules have been rubbing up against them for long enough t uh, a long enough time, they will it will result in some of its etherical effects of mercury and without any of the poisonous effects. That, as I, I don't know if you're in, into the specific dosages that you've been using for homeopathic med, uh, medication, Emily, but that is, I mean, you know how small these active ingredients are said to be. It's an extremely small amount aside from... Small bits per million or billion, yeah. Yeah, I, there's crazy, like, really mind-blowing... Um, comparisons of just how small it, it is like you would have to there's all kinds of comparisons uh, listed online and i'm sure you're familiar with that emily um it's weird to me that they hoist this guy up in dc so much um for being like a hero of medicine and i think it is because of actually what happened right after him so he was claiming that all of these what we now know to be detrimental chemicals were curing people well a group of his cohorts dared him pretty much to participate in one of the Western world's first double blind tests in which they gave a control group and a, a, an experiment group. And as is the case with many homeopathic studies conducted today, that double blind test just showed that a whole bunch of these medications were not having the desired effect. That is all to say that this guy had a massive effect on the way that we see medicine in the Western world today. I would say not intentionally so, because that, that idea of the double-blind test is very important. But in his anecdote, I see a real, real problem here. What about the... I mean, we have, we have anecdotal evidence and anecdotal stories about how things can cure things and how people's guts were screwing up at one time and they changed their lifestyle in this way or that. I don't know if you have particularly, you know, valid double blind studies to point to, but whenever I start probing with homeopaths about the idea of what, why doesn't this medicine that you're saying stand up to the science of a double blind test? 
um, I, I get some pushback. I get like, well, how dare you expect this level of, 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 of proof, you know? Yeah. I don't know if you well, have, I, yeah, go ahead. No, I was going to say, I actually, a lot of what I take has undergone clinical studies and trials and double blind placebo tested trials. Um, there's a lot of really, um, they call them pharmaceutical pharmaceutical grade supplements um, that, or even the components that are in certain supplements are tested. And you can see a lot of them, you know, on PubMed and on the, you know, the NIH system, um, the National Institute of Health. And um, there are a lot of the supplements that I do take, uh, do um, have backup with those studies. Um, I don't know about, you know, uh, what other people have encountered or done, but like I always go when I encounter anything, I go right to PubMed Health and look up what's been done, what's been studied, how it's been studied, certain ingredients, certain you know either if it's if it's probiotics or anti you know antifungals or antimicrobials or what they what what they do in your body and what they do for your body, um, and I look them up pretty pretty um, thoroughly before I take anything ever so or then, give anything uh... to. My let, let me ask about the the opposite of that, the alternative, which is when mainstream medicine is showing that a given medication, because I think you, I saw in the Instagram chat that you were having with my cousin here, you talk about like myth, milk thistle, stuff like that, mm-hmm. um, which is I'm totally behind. And there are a whole bunch of double blind studies, and it seems to fit in that category. I'm of, taking of, it, by the way, because I drink. So, yes. right, right, right. Um, so I, I, I understand those. But, uh, and this will lead us into our, our, our soy discussion, I think, what about when mainstream media, uh, when mainstream medicine says, or nutritionism, uh, nutritionists say there's no connection between a given medication and um, it, it's, its proposed effects. Like that, 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 that can't be claimed and as such shouldn't be patented, uh, whatever else. Uh, with soy... I'm sure you know, Emily, that there are a, a there's a, a plethora of, uh, mm-hmm. of meta-analyses of studies that just say there is no link between uh, soy and uh, the gaining of estrogen in, in males or, or females. And, and to some extent, there's a, a negative, negatively correlated effect. I have seen the articles that say the opposite of that, that they say that there is a correlation. Mm-hmm. But what is the dividing line for you in your mind when you see that, you know, mainstream medicine science is saying this thing has not the not the effect that homeopaths are claiming there to be uh, and that we indeed shouldn't at all be worried about things like soy becoming a part of our regular American diet. I'm, I'm trying to suss out long when, you, when do you get scared about uh, stuff. No, wait, I'm following. <laughs> Good. It's a really important question. Yeah. Um, and when you kind of um, go through and, and dig through the studies or dig through what the articles are pointing to, um, you do see that, you know, they say, you know, it causes cancer, it causes, um, you know, an increase in hormones and all of these things, or, you know, even men growing breasts, you know, that, that yeah, sort yeah. of thing studies are happening so when you look through first of all the study with the man just for example who did grow breasts he was consuming i think three or four liters of soy milk a day so he was really bombarding his system with soy milk um and that's the study that they kind of or the case that they kind of cling to with that thing and then it just takes off from there and becomes 
hearsay where people just write these in the articles without sourcing anything. Um, but the, the big difference between tofu or soy and what's really bad for you is soy protein isolate is what's being added to all of our foods. That is not good for you in any regard. It's not a good ingredient. It's the same thing you're going to find in Bill Gates Impossible Burger. It's going to be, you know, but when you want to have soy, you want to have non-GMO soy or tofu. You want to preferably have it fermented. You can do it yourself or buy it that way. Um, And you want to consume everything in moderation. And if you look at, you know, just for example, people who have had tofu their entire lives, say in Japan, they have the lowest rates of cancer, um, a lowest rates of breast cancer, and, um, you know, don't have any of these issues with hormonal imbalances and things. The problem lies with when you take soy and you modify it so incredibly to use it as a binder or use it, you know, in a certain way with these foods or adding it to everything, you'll see soy in a lot of processed foods, soy protein isolate, whenever you see that kind of run the other way. And so you really want to try to do as whole food, uninterrupted food as possible, right? As yeah. possible, everything in moderation. It's in our Western culture and our food supply and everything. It's really hard to do that. And that's, in my opinion, where supplementation comes into play to try to help you out when we're not making the best choices and we're out of the bars and then we hit Taco Bell all the way home. You know, like yeah. then you have to do certain things to sort of balance that out in your body. Well, there's so many foods like, you know, a lot of people know this by now, but there's only a few food companies that own all the food. I think if you were to learn about how many brands PepsiCo owns, uh, we're talking Frito-Lay, talking Taco Mm -hmm. Bell, Quaker Oats, Aunt Jemima, all the, I mean, there's an insane amount of of brands that just like seven companies own. Um, A lot of our bread here is illegal in countries, like the way that we make it, right? Um, and then you, to your point with the soy, you see, uh, on the back of labels may contain soy, eggs, wheat, whatever. Um, it's because all of these things are made in the same plants. Right. And so you're getting trace amounts of all this shit that you don't really need. Um, mm-hmm. but I find that interesting that, that microwaves are also illegal in, in a lot of other countries. You know what I mean? Like why, why are we so worried about this vaccine, you know, and, and people are, obese and then they're taking the vaccine and saying that they're healthy now uh mm-hmm. but then they're not like other countries are, are not as worried it what do you, what are your thoughts on the vaccine because i find this really to be a polarizing thing right now but there's not there's not enough info really to know what's right or wrong um but i mean someone like you might know a little more than i do yeah i mean i am i am not taking the vaccine um, at least until there's more data available, at, le- at least until I see a greater uh, need for it. And that's a debatable statement. Um, like, for example, in children, they're very rarely affected by coronavirus. And this, this experimental vaccine that has not gone through clinical trials that, you know, when it was starting to be tested on ferrets, every ferret died, those sort of things. I mean, those aren't just hearsay. Those are real things that happened. And I know ferrets are people and all of that, but that's generally where you start with the, with the vaccines. Um, and I, um, it's a different kind of vaccine. Um, it's being promoted as one that even if you take it, you're not okay. I think when you look at historically with the flu shot, just for example, I, if, if I was to get the flu shot, 
I wouldn't care who else got it because um, I'm protected. If they don't want to protect themselves, that's fine, right, with the flu shot. It, this is a different type of vaccine. It's actually hijacking a process in your body and changing um, with the mRNA technology. And it's different. And we don't know what the effects are of it. We don't know the efficacy of it. We don't know a lot of things about it. And so that's why I choose not to take it. I have zero judgment for people who do take it. And I wish them all well. You know, I, I really hate when I see polarizing comments online where people say things like, oh, well, if they if they uh, have injury or they die, well, they, they, that's what they get, you know? And it's like, no, no, we're all humans here. We're all just yeah. trying to do the best we can with the information that we receive and that we um, understand. And so my personal opinion is I just don't want to take it until I know much more about it, long-term effects, see if it's even necessary, um, you know, that that sort of thing. So. That, that's my personal opinion. And I know that it's, like you said, very polarizing. And um, sure. yeah, I have people that unfriend me and, you know, even family members <laughs> don't agree and, and family members who take it. And some people get very angry about it and some people are understanding. So, yeah, I mean, I'm not trying to poke too much here, but it seems like you kind of got like a little emotional when I asked you about that. Like, I don't know if it's something that you're super passionate about or, or, or if it's something that's bothered like like i don't know it's like i said it's just such a weird topic to get into for a lot of people especially someone that's passionate about health like you um but yeah. i just i i noticed a, a serious uh kind of tone change in your voice there uh again not trying to poke too much uh, no. or, or proud about it but it's, no, it's a very scary thing that. yeah i didn't realize that but i think i i didn't realize my tone change but really what it is is um I'm worried for people. I hope that everything's okay and that it really is going to be just fine. Um, but I worry about the fact that when you see, you know, coming up to 5,000 deaths in five months in the VAERS system, which they estimate 1% are actually reported because people don't know about the VAERS system or their doctors tell them, no, that can't be from the vaccine, or they don't put two and two together that they got the vaccine and then they died, you know, those sort of things. And so it's a 1% reporting rate in the VAERS system and there's 5,000 deaths and, you know, hundreds of thousands of injuries that are reported. And I worry about the push with the kids. I'm a mother myself. It, it yeah. really worries me. That's where probably my change in tone comes from is I just, I love people. I love to try to help people get healthier. I love to see people have success when they take back control of their own health. Yeah. And um, so it just makes me, it, it, it hurts my heart. You know what I mean? Sure. And I wasn't trying to call you out. I just, I just <laughs> noticed it. And so I'm like, I'm wondering if you, if you uh, knew something, but um, I, I do want to ask you about collagen products too, but uh, just kind of throwing it back to what you guys were talking about with the the uh, the gentleman that founded uh, this whole line of research, the German guy that's got the monument in D.C. Um, anyone that has a monument in D.C., uh, there's something up with that, right? You got George Washington. Um, you've got Abraham Lincoln, which Abraham Lincoln, uh, you know, he has a, a good reputation in the United States. He freed the slaves. He's starting to be called racist now by the far, far left, not like Brandon left, but far left. Um, you know, George Washington's a racist, you know, all these other things. Um, these people are all Freemasons. DC is riddled with symbolism. And I think we all know that. Um, so I do get a little skeptical when I start seeing like monoliths raised for these people and, and little, uh, you know, just, just things that are, are kind of shouting them out there. But um, you look like you wanted to say something, Brandon. What's up? Yeah, just, for, just to further define the this this 
the the contours of, of homeopathy here, which again, homeopathy specifically means. Are you saying suffering. that right? I thought I was saying it that same way. No, see, Emily, I actually am a grammar Nazi. That's the only way in which I uh, 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 align with the German Nationalist Party. I want, I want to know if it is homeopathy or homeopathy. I'm, I'll be interested in talking to you about that. But let me, let me, let me. Define well, what is the, it? Let's find out. Because I thought I was saying it the same fucking way, and now I'm supposedly wrong. I've just always heard homeopathic medicine. Homeo- no, no, homeopathy. Homeopathic is the is the the description of, and the homeopathy uh, homeopathy would be the practice the practice of. Anyways, so anyways, just to, just to define yeah. the con. <laughs> Sorry, I'm annoying as fuck here. Here we go. Oh, it's not annoying at all. Actually, I would like to know also that there's a, a, a <laughs> so, different opinion to that. I'd love to hear it because I you know want to make sure that I'm correct too. <laughs> yeah. So in homeopathy, uh, in theory, I wonder. Don't you see a vaccine as following the same idea as homeopathic cures? Because after all, Edward Jenner, yeah, is the guy it, who yeah. invented the first vaccine to treat smallpox, uh, was he? He came about with his research just a few years after Hahnemann uh, got started with his own research. I don't know if I've said that name in three different ways uh, by uh, by now. Sorry, I'm a few uh, wine cocktails deep already. But it because of is is the is the problem with today's um vaccine the novelty of the mrna that is it that 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 seems to be it right not vaccines in and of themselves because ryan is as close to an anti-vaxxer as my i i think you've you've made those noises it's not about things like vaccines uh for for smallpox right am i correct there in my opinion yeah i mean i the theory behind vaccines and the implementation of them historically is completely different than what we're seeing today with the rollout of this vaccine it's a completely i mean i almost when i looked into how it functions and what it does it's almost a non vaccine it changes the way your body functions it's not giving you a little bit of a certain virus so that your body can build up an immunity to it it's a completely different thing here um, and there's not enough known about it at all. Am, am I, am I right in saying only one or two of the ver- of the mainstream versions of the vaccine are dealing with MRNA technology? Uh, if, Pfizer and Moderna. Yeah. yeah. I, 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 I'm just wondering cause, because I'm just curious about for the, all the skeptics out there, for the very few of them listening to us thinking about how far does this go and does it apply to if it's not the j and j vaccine that the mrna technology applies to then then well, yeah, would people be dude, faster to adopt or adopt it and there's other questions about how much of a push you would have to get over that line but but past well, that right the, the yeah. mrna is the pfizer and the moderna and then the johnson and johnson is banned here in the us and then astrazeneca is banned in like nine european countries because of the the amount of blood clots it like strings it like kind of like um well I'll, like it, it it makes strings in your blood so i mean there i'll tell you j and j and i'm not, not saying is... that like they're as hyped up as they or they you know they people are hyping these fucking things up to where they're gonna kill people like instantly and more people have died than than we know and the media is just blacking it out it's not that what i think the concern is for a lot of people is like what's going to happen in two or three or four years because you know there's there's population predictions like from deagle.com saying that the u.s population is going to go from like 330 or 340 million or whatever it is right now 
to sub 100 million. You know what I mean? And is that going to be the vaccinated people that die off or the non-vaccinated people? Gotcha. This is like where the, the theories are coming from. Um, but then when you start kind of like, I don't know how the validity of the whole magnet test of the the Pfizer and Moderna vaccines. I saw Alex Stein yeah, do saw it, and it it looked pretty damn legit. I trust him. I don't trust a lot of other people that I see on on social media, um, but he went and did it with with a Pfizer and a Moderna, and it stuck. Um, you said you were going to try that, Brandon, with uh, with your friend too. I'm I'd be very interested. But then there's another idea that there's so much heavy metals in our food that we need to do a, a controlled group test where people that have not been vaccinated is the is the magnet going to stick to their arm too um my gut instinct tells me no but there is a ton of heavy metals in our food you know what i mean like so i don't know which are necessary right yeah. emily i mean we we, we not really uh, we, we need we need iron at least right we i mean to a certain extent right it, it is moderation the, yeah. the boring science of western nutrition has been everything in moderation is is what it what it boils down to um, sure. But, yeah. But, and, well, let's ask, let's ask the expert. I mean, yeah. like, what do you think about the, the metal sticking to arms and stuff like that? Magnets? Well, from what I've seen, so I wanted to do that with my mom and she refused to do it. Um, it is happening with <laughs> people you who didn't are... didn't force her? No, no, no. <laughs> I mean, um, but but I, I do see it happening. And when people do put it where they didn't get injected, it's not sticking. And then they put it to the injection site and it is sticking and it's people who had the vaccine recently. So I don't know what that exactly means, but it is a little concerning. Um, the thing about our heavy metals in our foods, there's a difference between the natural occurring ones that we need in our body and like, you know, the aluminum and the mercury that's coming in everywhere. And, you know, I, I always tell people that they need a chelator in their system um, as a supplement, which would be like something that does help unbind heavy metals from your cells. Um, and, you know, the, it's very common when you see, you know, um, kids who have like the hair test done to see like what's going on in their body and what kind of heavy metals they have. And they have like, say if they eat a lot of rice, they have high, high levels of arsenic or things like that, that are in their body. And, um, you know, you take a chelator or something of that sort, like a lipoic acid or something similar to kind of unbind those toxins and you see much better improvements in their neurological function and, you know, behaviors. So there's a, there's a big difference between um, heavy metals that really shouldn't be in our body and heavy and, and certain things like iron that we do need to function in a state of balance. Well, there's simple little things too, like brown rice has a lot more arsenic than white rice does. And a lot of people yeah. don't know that even, you know what I mean? People mm -hmm. see brown rice and they think it's healthier. Um, I don't know what that, what that would be. I, I don't know if it's like the, the, the skin of the rice. The husk, I don't know yeah. what it is, but um, what about yeah, no, it's just interesting that the diets that we get taught are like Atkins was super healthy at one point and then it kind of got a little shaky but then I don't see much of a difference between that and like keto personally and I'm not you know the most educated on diets but I you know it seems like they everyone at least in the United States they want to find this one size fits all like this is the best diet that's the best diet it seems like it, it it's definitely more uh per person per you know uh disabilities or whatever um but I, i'm always just like really interested with the heart disease stuff um do you know any other good types of medication to take for treating heart disease not medication but uh i mean what's the word that you do yeah supplements so any, supplements. anything that's gonna that's going to sort of um 
you know, like I said, reduce inflammation. Um, it's going to help reduce um, higher blood pressure um, are going to be really beneficial. And, you know, turmeric is a really good one uh, for that. Um, you know, as well as the resveratrol or other, there's a lot of other um, free radical removing and antioxidant things and out there. Are, that, well, I'm sorry to interrupt, but why are those better than like ibuprofen? Because ibuprofen ha a, first is not naturally occurring. It's a chemical thing that will throw your body out of a state of balance. It will have other side effects that happen to it. It can be very taxing on your liver, on your stomach yeah, lining. Yeah. Um, it's very, very hard for people. There's, you know, cases of people even who have acute liver failure, if their liver isn't in great shape to begin with, or they don't even realize it is. And then they take, you know, some, some acetaminophen or they take, um, Advil and some ibuprofen and, you know, they die. And that's a very extreme example, obviously, but I mean, it's just not a great thing to constantly assault your liver and your stomach lining with. Whereas, um, you know, something more natural is, you know, when, if you, if it, if it comes from the earth, it, you know, it, it's, it's going to be um, helping you be in a better state of balance when you know what you're doing with these. And again, everything in moderation, you don't want to yeah. take 20 turmeric pills, you know, cause you'll spike your blood sugar really low, but you do want to take, you know, the right amount per day to sort of reduce systemic inflammation in your body, which is one of the three main root causes of disease and chronic disease. What about, um, I, I've mentioned my skepticism towards vitamin pills, Emily. I wonder your, your, uh, uh, your ideas on that because my perspective is that uh, big medicine and big, uh, big uh, homeopathy uh, wants us to take too many of these pills that our body is just not built to ingest. Um, vitamins, that's short for vital aminos. It's very obviously important for how our body recreate, you know, builds itself. But are you going out there biting? I, 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 I have this intuition that if I can get enough vitamin blank from food blank, that I should do that. Um, but for people who realistically are maybe are living in food deserts, which is more and more common these days, should do, in your perspective, do you think they should be taking vitamin pills? Um, yes, but conditionally, because... The thing about vitamins is you, you really don't want to buy them like where you buy your toilet paper, you know, same thing with probiotics. So you have to be careful with the kind of in ingredients. Like if you go to Walmart and you buy a big Centrum Silver, um, you're not going to be able to um, intake a lot of those vitamins. And the other side of that is that if your gut is in a state of imbalance, you're not going to be absorbing your vitamins. Um, because a lot of people end up with an overgrowth of what's called candida yeast, which lines the intestines. It creates a hard shell um, on it, like, like checking, sort of like what's in the All right, guys, Emily goes on to drop the homeopathic perspective for another 50 minutes or so. Also gets into talking about her experience in real estate working with one Donald John Trump. You guys are going to want to hear that on the Patreon. That's patreon.com slash dangerousworldpodcast. $3 a month, and that's full-length episodes. So we'll see you guys there.